You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. TechFan Podcast 382, Windows Mobile. Yep, that old stuff. The weather, John's favorite TV stuff. A whole lot more. Check it out. TechFan Podcast 382. I'm Tim Robertson, and then there's David. Hello. I'm I'm uh, not just me. We're batting battening down the hatches here in uh, Michigan, especially here in West away. Michigan. Well, we've got uh, upwards of a foot coming. If we get a foot of snow between now and this time tomorrow, I'm not driving to Kalamazoo. Um. <clears throat> It's not that I can't get there. You know what? I could say that exact sentence about going anywhere in Britain, only I'd have to replace the word foot with inch. Because that's what happened here. We get an inch of snow, and all of a sudden nobody can go anywhere. Oh, we got an inch and a half last night. If we got Um, a foot of snow in Britain, it would be like the end times. I mean... Yeah. Yes. It would. Yeah. But to, to, to make it even... Well, I can make it to Kalamazoo with a foot of snow. Actually... I would much rather drive through really heavy snow than ice. Yeah. I'm in a Sequoia. I, I, a foot of snow, I can get through no problem. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think my truck actually likes it. Yeah. It, it seems to. They way over-engineered this truck. I don't understand who they were trying to sell this thing to. But that's um, part of the brand, isn't it? In unkillable Toyotas. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's a big SUV that you can put full-size adults in a third row i mean it's huge yeah and yet it's a true off-road vehicle i can turn off my side impact bags if i want to yeah i i can lock the differential i mean it's a true it's got a skid plate for rock climbing who the hell do they build this thing for the mom who has to climb a mountain to go to the grocery store you've got to remember i mean this is an an older model isn't it it's a 2007 yeah but there was a time when car companies bought SUV style vehicles on the assumption that the people who wanted to buy them actually mm-hmm. wanted to do some sort of sports utility in them. True. But since then we've transitioned to a thing where people buy SUV light beer vehicles. These are cars that look like an SUV but are actually a jacked up ordinary car. Yeah. Um, and because everyone likes them because they're bigger on the road makes them feel more safe. And at yep. the same time, you know, you're paying 20-30% more for effectively the, the equivalent smaller car and you're getting 20-30% less gas mileage. Mm. It's kind of insane. Yeah. You know, kind and of. I've, looked, I've looked at these cars and I've come to the conclusion that, um, you know, I probably wouldn't ever buy one now. I would prefer to get the effectively the saloon, the hatchback version or whatever it's based on because you're paying less money and you get the same amount of space. You know, because I, I don't have to go up a mountain and and I don't have to deal with a foot of snow either yeah I yeah. do but it's not just the snow that we're going to be dealing with in the next couple of days it's uh, an arctic polar blast if you will they say it's, we're going to have the coldest weather we've had in at least a half century or a quarter century um, negative 40 degree wind chills Fahrenheit of course yep. um, 
but that is that's frostbite within five minutes of exposure. Yeah, that's uh, very cold. It's very cold. Very, very cold, yeah. So if that all happens tomorrow, I'm not driving to work because why? It's not like we'll have any customers. I'll still work. I just won't go to work to yeah. work. Um, yeah, no, the problem with that is that, you know, um, if you do have a problem, and sometimes the pr- if you're driving in that sort of weather, the problem isn't you, it's somebody else who spins out and crashes yeah. into you, knocks you off the road or something like that, yeah. then you're stuck in in very, very low temperatures. That's kind of dangerous. Uh, I In weather like that, I always take, I call it the back way. Now, if I take yeah. the highway, it takes me about 40 minutes door to door. If I go the back way, it takes an hour. And that's both of those times are in good driving conditions, good weather, oh. springtime, summer, whatever. Um, it, add tons of snow or ice or whatever, and those times are extended. For instance, last, I'm going to say Wednesday, but I could be off. It might have been Tuesday. Um, really bad weather. Uh, everything was, we were getting freezing rain, which is great. That's fantastic. Yes, yeah. it was Wednesday. And it took me about an hour and 20 minutes to drive home the back way, yeah. which is going through a couple small, little small towns, not a lot of traffic. But the flip side of that is they don't plow the roads as quickly as they do like the highway. But on the highway, you always get a couple idiots who drive too fast, jackknife their semi, put their cars in ditches go by you too closely, start spinning out right in front of you, that causes accidents. So I'd rather go the back way. Plus, I can always stop and pee if I have to. There's always yeah. that. We, I, I was going to ask you if you, get, <laughs> if, you get, if you get that problem, because obviously here in Britain, when the weather is, is bad, um, because people aren't used to it, you get this same phenomenon I think you get in L.A. when it rains, which is people just pretend it's not happening and drive normally. So they'll come out in their, you know, car with with skinny tires and no tread and um they'll try and move at the same speeds they normally want to move at and forget that braking distances are different and um the roads might be slippery and that other people will be driving more slowly and they they kind of run up their back uh, most of the time yes it's 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 stupidity no question but you do have the sudden weather and and black ice where you don't even see it and you're just driving normally all of a sudden you're just not driving (laughs) You may remember I encountered some of that in France. I do remember indeed. I know exactly what that is all about. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, it can happen to anybody. Um, Yeah. But I think I'm one of those drivers who are always super conscious about bad driving conditions. Because you got to remember, I used to drive all the way to Chicago and back. Yeah. And some of that was in very bad weather. I would be just south of Lake Michigan. Anybody look at a map, you'll see how big Lake Michigan is. It's such a giant body of water it, it literally affects the weather um and that's what we're getting next week is lake effect snow so you get a this a snowstorm that moves across chicagoland area wisconsin um that's got quite a bit of moisture and it dumps you know half foot of snow and then it goes over lake michigan a much warmer body of water and it draws up a whole bunch of moisture and it dumps it right in west michigan so yeah. it's fun it's one of those people hate hearing other people talk about weather, but this is kind of extreme weather conditions. And, uh, you know, technology, where does this come in? Well, when I when it's looking bad outside, and even when it's not, to be honest, I always pull up my Google Maps on my phone mm-hmm. because you can see traffic, what the traffic yeah. is doing. Green, that's just normal. Uh, if it starts turning orange or red, 
that's a problem. Orange is slower traffic. Red is um, stop traffic, basically. There's like a really dark red, which is pitch your tent. Um, I always check the route. And if it's bad on I-94, that's the route that I take home. Uh, I go the back way. Yeah. So that's where the technology comes in. It's 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 neat because if you are routed off a road because of an accident or weather or what have you, your GPS will keep you going roughly in the correct direction. I think that's yeah. that's amazing technology, David. Uh, and also as well that the um, the weather information we get nowadays is is you know the forecast so stuff accurate. is is yeah is is a lot better than it used to be but forecast is still a forecast sometimes it goes wrong but the the kind of the near you know within the next hour or two hours is absolutely bang on over very large areas which you never used to have before and you there's can an almost, app called dark sky check that out yeah i have that one um yep, it's, it's really it, good it's amazing it because it, it it's hyper localized and it will actually it will actually say to you or ping a thing up on your phone saying oh it's going to start raining in two minutes yeah <laughs> you look at the window and most of the time, it's right. Yeah, last night it gave me a notification, 11.58 p.m. Drizzle stopping in Battle Creek. Yeah. You know, you don't want to see drizzle anything when it's this cold out. Yeah. Um, 8.21, flurry starting. So, rain stopping, rain starting. It's this. It's awesome. Uh, yesterday, or Wednesday, umbrella reminder. 99.9% chance of rain starting at 9 a.m. I mean, it's it's pretty cool to yeah, see I'm, that kind of level of detail. Yeah, I've no idea how it works. I don't know where they get the data from, but it is pretty reliable. I know uh, I was reading a little bit before I actually purchased this app, because this is not a free app. You actually do have to buy this one. Yeah. I think it was $4, uh, but the reviews were so good, and the developers really kind of deep-dived into what their app is capable of. And one of the interesting facts that I read was um, something like 60 to 70% of all weather apps actually use their data. That's how they make most of their money is selling their data to other companies. Now, right. where they get their data, I have no idea. But, wow, it is, it, it's really impressive. The only thing I don't really like about it is when you go into the radar, um, it it doesn't give me the level of the color or the colors that I like to see. Yeah. I'm more of a traditionalist and it doesn't look right to me, but other than that, it's a fantastic app. Yeah. Um, if you're remotely interested in weather, I highly recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. and it's full cross platform. It's available on Android as well as, uh, iOS. So, and it's compatible with your Apple watch cause I will get notifications on my watch. Yep. So yep. it's pretty cool stuff. And, in the weather that we're about to have, um, it could be life-changing or life savings for that matter. I mean, hey, let's go to the store and you get a buzz on your your watch that freezing rain is starting. Well, you know what? Maybe we don't leave right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's hold off for a little bit here. Uh, we did yeah. get some feedback, both of it from John Nemo, uh, concerning our last couple shows. Um, he gave us his top 10 list. And I thought we could talk about that for a second. Sure. But the first one that we got, uh, it's talking about Vizio and data mining and uh, all that kind of stuff. But he wanted to know, um, Tim, what high-end speakers are you using to watch Avengers and other shows on your super-duper iMac? Well, 
Uh, it's not a super duper iMac. It's just my 21 inch iMac that I got from OWC and it works great. And I've got two monitors hooked up to it, although technically it's only one monitor hooked up to it because the other one is the iMac itself, mm-hmm. which I never use that screen. I mean, it's on, but I dim it all the way and I don't every great once in a while, I'll put something over there to monitor, uh, like a big download or something. Yeah. But other than that, I meh, don't do much with it. Um, I talked about this, David, two years ago in uh, Tech Fan number 328. And it was. Remember it like it was a year ago. Right? Exactly. Not two years ago. Well, less than two years. Well, yeah. December 2017. So I guess that would be, what, 13 months ago? Uh, I use the same speaker. At the time, I called them 13 year old speakers. So I guess now I can officially say they're 15 year old speakers. Uh, the Altic Lansing FX6021 speaker system. It's a 2.1 speaker system, two towers, and a ba- and a subwoofer. Um, they're not the most attractive speakers. They're this silvery color. Um, I don't really even see them anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, they have each one of the, the towers, if you will. Um, they're... I don't know, a foot tall. They Each one of them has uh, six cones in it, and then the base sits on the floor. There's a volume control. There's a You can also control bass and treble with it, but I've, and it comes with a remote, which I lost probably 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I set the bass and the treble and all that a long, long time ago, and I haven't touched it since. They sound great, to be quite honest. Um they sound better than most speakers, and I said, and, and I this is repeating myself from two years ago, but yeah, they are some of the best speakers I've ever heard. I've reviewed a lot of speakers, even like THX certified speakers, after I bought these, and I've yet to replace these. All the other speakers have fallen to the wayside, but these ones, I, I'll cry when these die. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure I can buy some, them on eBay, but yeah, I know. Sometimes, sometimes we all get something that we, you know, we like so much and thinks does a job so well that that you don't want to replace it, and you, you do start worrying that it won't live forever. Which, of course, nothing ever does. Nothing does, but I do think that they were built at a time where, um, I don't know, maybe better quality. I don't know if Altec Lansing was a, a different company back then. I know they weren't owned by the same company, but yeah, I'm looking at eBay right now, and there's just nothing. Um, no, well, you, you you have to. I mean, you have to really buy, and even in hi-fi speakers, you have to really work very hard to get something that's really well built um, and sounds really good at an affordable price. Because everyone nowadays builds on this, you know, build it cheap. Um, and that that way, in a few years' time, you can get repeat business. Hopefully, yeah. So stuff is just not it's not designed to last the way it used to be. Yeah, because, I'm gonna the, I'm gonna be value, in a pickle. Yeah, the value of stuff nowadays is is the 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 value of the components are so much less than than it used to be. Because if you're, if you're paying three hundred dollars for something now versus something you paid three hundred dollars for ten years ago, well, that three hundred dollars ten years ago was actually more like five six hundred dollars because of inflation. So, you know, you were buying something far more expensive, and it was built better for that reason. Whereas nowadays, everything is built down to the lowest possible cost. 
Yeah, I'm looking at my old review. They're 75 watt RMS speakers, so they could nice and loud. Six and a half inch long throw subwoofer. Uh, my conclusion was uh, I am very, very impressed with these speakers. I gave them a five out of five at the time. Yeah. And uh, what were they brand new? They were three hundred dollars. Yeah. Which honestly is not bad for a, a pair of speakers. Think about this. These are fifteen-year-old speakers. I spent three hundred bucks for. Yeah, that's value. That's yeah, hard absolutely. to argue. Would I look at Altic Lansing again? Absolutely. Probably some of the first speakers I looked at at this point. Uh, the clarity of these speakers is what gets me, David. It's yeah, they can go loud and blah blah blah. They sound so good. Yeah. In music, in uh, Netflix stuff. In the spoken word, I mean, it's the audio reproduction is just top quality, and that's the thing that will kill me if these ever die on me. Because you can yeah. get loudspeakers. I, I want to yeah. get speakers that sound that have the same level of fidelity that I'm used to, and that's going to be hard. Uh, I'm just looking here at an inflation calculator. So, $300. In 2012. No, it was 2004. 2004. Yeah. Uh, and Remember I said 15-year-old? Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> I kind of thought I was calculating right. So, uh, apparently that's only $400 today. I'd still spend 400 bucks in a heartbeat on these speakers. Yeah. I would spend 699 for these speakers if they were brand new right now. If I need yeah. them. But you won't be able to. That's that's the sad thing. I'm kind of uh, curious about what Altic, Altic Lansing is. See, I don't think desktop speakers is that big of a category anymore. No. No, because... Well, we could, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole thing about how um, streaming an MP3 effectively killed the, uh, the decent sound yeah. reproduction yeah. market. Because people it became so convenient that people stopped worrying about where they were listening and what they were listening on to um and uh they just put up with ev- anything because the convenience trumped everything else you know i i what I, I i was in the supermarket last night and there's this guy walking around and he was watching a tv football uh, football game on his phone and he had the volume turned up full blast uh-huh. because he didn't have speakers it really irritates me that people do that but um if you'd have gone back 15 years for somebody who was a football fan and suggested that you would walk around looking at a, at a football uh, game on it, he was holding the phone portrait as well, of course. So he was at probably watching it on what, a two and a half inch diameter yeah. screen? Yeah. And yeah. if you just said to anybody, oh, you would want to watch a football game like that. And he was, don't get me wrong, he was not, he wasn't just listening to the commentaries to find out when he was watching it. I mean, he was literally zombified wandering around the store, um, staring at the screen. And hmm. if you say to anybody who's really a proper football fan, oh, you would watch a game like that on such a tiny little screen. Um, people go, no, I'll stay at home and watch it on the TV on a big, big screen so I can see what's going on. I do my shopping afterwards. And now and said people don't care. They, convenience trumps everything. And it's convenience which is just destroying the world. <laughs> you know, if I had to replace these right now, I, I didn't realize that Harmacarn is still making the sound sticks that look like a jellyfish. Yeah. I had a pair of those at one point. 
the original ones. Yeah, I I, I wonder if the, if they if the current ones sound as good. That's always uh, the problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, going I, to Altic Lansing right now as a website yeah. to see what um, speakers. Oh no, I don't want to subscribe. Get off my screen. See, uh, uh, waterproof stuff, a smart speaker, which looks like crap, home audio, there's a giant one that you got to pull behind you like a trolley, uh, and professional audio. They don't make desktop speakers anymore. Yeah. So. Well, think about it. Most people have either have an iMac. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not many people do the desktop PCs, uh, like PC versions of an iMac. I know those exist, but you don't see an awful lot of them around. And most people have an iMac or a laptop, and both those things already have speakers built in. And most people, I, I suspect, just put up with whatever you know, whatever it comes with. Or they hook it up to their, if, it, if it's in the living room, maybe they hook it up to their TV system or something like that. But, um, you know, the, the, other, the other thing is, of course, people don't watch content on their t- on their computers as much anymore. They might watch it on a laptop but they probably don't watch it on the desktop because they'll probably watch it on the TV. Nowadays it's as, it's as easy to get that content, probably easier with Netflix to get that content on your TV than it is on your computer. The audio engines are still rated some of the best even though they're four years old. The A2s. Yeah. Those, I, the problem is the A2s don't come with a subwoofer which you, yeah, you got to have a subwoofer. Yeah, those those um, ones I use that uh, that um, the ones that I reviewed, uh, I mm-hmm. think they're from Audio Technica. Um, that Alexander uses now for his um, uh, for his hi-fi, um, he, for, not for his hi-fi, for his DJing. Uh, when whenever he wants to go DJing at, at the synagogue or something, like that, I break them out for those, and that's uh, a pair of tiny tweezers. Uh, and then a subwoofer, and they sound really, really good. Those, those are the ones I reviewed, and when they said they wanted a review back, I said, can I pay you for these, because I want to keep them. They were on my computer for a long time. It seems like a lot of the higher-ranked speakers now have RGB color. They do little color shows. Uh, shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a fan of those kind of, you know... I, arcade type of lighting type things you know i'm predisposed to like that but yeah i'm sitting here trying to watch a movie and my speakers are doing a disco that's not yeah. distracting at all one of the one of the annoying things about pretty I, I get this all the time with the um i have the uh the chi charging pad in my bedroom yeah uh, i have the Ike- ikea one with three spots on it uh, and i put my iphone on one um, but then I, if I'm charging anything else, then I have the little uh, kind of adapters that plug into the lightning on the micro USB ports so I can just do it wirelessly and it, it's nice and easy. I've noticed the problem with that is pretty much everything you put on there nowadays that isn't an iPhone has really annoying and extremely bright lights on it. Yeah. So uh, And sometimes they flash. So uh, I end up, half <laughs> the time, I end up putting something on the Qi charger, yeah, and then putting bits of paper or something on top of it so that the light is not going off in the corner room all night. Right. Because it's so irritating. Yeah, well, it's trying to hypnotize you or something. <laughs> exactly. Uh, John Nemo's other email was his best shows. Um, so this is what he wrote to us. Uh, Top of the Lake Netflix Series 1 only. Never heard of it. Um, uh, I know John likes a lot of the um, 
the like the Scandinavian crime series, yeah, uh, and stuff that's like that. So um, I suspect a lot of these will be. And yeah, Top of the Lake definitely is a, a crime series. It's actually an, an English one. Um, the but Honorable said, Woman. Oh, is it English? No, this is uh, New Zealand and Australian. The Honorable Woman. That's from Netflix. Uh, Bridge Bruin Bruin. I don't know. That's Swedish, Swedish and and Danish. Yeah, Honorable um, Woman is a British political spy thriller. I vaguely remember this being on TV. Uh, White Collar Netflix six season starts getting really good series three. I remember White Collar on uh, I want to say TNT or something like that. I watched you a little say, bit I of think it. it was. You, yeah. yeah, I watched a little bit of it and it just bored me to tears. Um, well, different things for different people. Oh yeah. Well, that's the whole point. So this is this is the oh right okay so this is a con artist helping the FBI. Yeah, I, I just okay. never bought it. Um, yeah. There's a lot of series that it's this He's, person but this and is the thing with the John yeah. says gets good at series three, so you have to plow through the first two seasons before it builds. Yeah, well, so that's I'm probably why you didn't like it. Yeah, I think I watched parts of season one and two, and yeah. then it just it it seems contrite and far-fetched and i thought yeah um plus i didn't like one of the main actors the the bad guy who's becoming a good guy was way too handsome and it's like you're right uh but the other guy was just kind of dorky annoying and he got on my nerves right um last tycoon it's an amazon series uh i think i watched a preview for that at one point and thought that looks interesting and i it, obviously it fell off my radar uh, suits. And it says <laughs> Amazon. Enough. Keep watching yeah. one, two, three, but season seven is tedious. That's never uh, a good thing. I, I never got into suits. I know uh, the girls in the office are really into. Um, uh, we're really into suits. Now I'll tell you why. Uh, possibly why you didn't strike with the last tycoon is because the lead in the last tycoon is the same guy who played the con artist. In the in the previous show, in white collar, oh, so he oh, was probably still too handsome for you. Yeah, yeah he's handsome. got he's got a kind of um, uh, who's that that guy who plays Superman nowadays? He's got that very yeah uh, yeah he's got that that chin thing going on. What's his name? Um, I know who you're talking about. Uh, the British guy was in. Oh, what, I, can't, I can't remember his name. You know the guy anyway, the guy with the moustache. Yeah. Everyone's always talking about Henry Carvel. Henry Henry Cavill, that's right. Yeah, Cal, uh, yeah. yeah. He also uh, is Shetland. Is uh, his next one Shetland? Shetland. Yeah, that's from the BBC. BBC. Yeah. Uh, Hit and miss from Netflix. I haven't. I'm pulling up Netflix and doing a search for these as I talk, uh, and I don't even see hit or miss. I see titles related to hit and miss. He might be using a proxy to. Log into uh, Netflix and other regions and watching stuff. No, oh, I found it. This is it's another British one. Yeah. Um, I tell you, John, you might live in Arizona, um, but uh, sounds like you should be moving to Shetland, myself. <laughs> yeah. I, the problem is uh, Shetland does not have Arizona's weather. No. But um, I, I think I think um, John may be a reincarnated Brit. I'm wondering. Why likes these sorts of things? <laughs> uh, Millennium trilogy. Uh, I don't see this on... Uh, oh, that, no, the Millennium Trilogy is the girl with the dragon tattoo and all that. Oh, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's the, those. Those are. That's what's known as the Millennium Trilogy. Yeah, I saw the uh, movie. It was. I tell you that I've read. I've read the first two books. Um, I've not seen the movies, but I've heard the movies are not anywhere near as good as the books are. The books are pretty good. You know, well, almost uh, that's kind of sure. That's everything. Yeah. Yeah. George Dent- Gently. I know that's a British show. Yeah. Uh, Wallander. That's a Swedish. Swedish. Yep. Well, it's a, it's a Swedish character. Uh, not Swedish, is it? Um, Danish? I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, it says Swedish on here. Sweet. Oh, well, in that case it is. Um, <laughs> but the actual um, the actual series have been kind of turned into... They're almost like everyone in it is English. It's like English remake. Unless... John has actually watched the um, the Swedish version because they did Swedish version as well. He's he's like a Wallander is is kind of like in Sweden is is um, their version of Sherlock Holmes. He's very very famous in Sweden. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, State of Play is the UK miniseries. I, I remember the movie that came out that was Helen Mirren was in it. I think. Um, yeah. Oh, who else was in it? Oh, uh, Braveheart guy. Uh, yeah, Braveheart. Braveheart? Ben, Affleck, no. ben Affleck, wasn't it? In State of Play? Yeah. No, the other guy, the reporter, who's kind of uh, almost a hippie-ish. Uh, he's a gladiator. Oh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, Russell Crowe. I remember yeah. him in it. I, I liked him in it. Yeah. Uh, I remember Ben Affleck's character was kind of a... I didn't like him as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Donovan from Showtime. I watched the first season of Ray Donovan. Um yeah, I don't know. I couldn't get into it. I, I wanted to like it. I, I know a lot of people like it, but I don't know. It it never I, really I, tripped my trigger. I, I've n- I've never watched it, but I I must admit there's something about that guy. Uh, what's his name? Leif Schreiber, who's yeah. the who's the star. Um, I've always thought he because he looks like a complete like muscle meathead, uh, and yet when you see him. Do non you know non meathead roles? He's really really good. Yeah. So um, you know he's a really really great actor, and I I kind of I've always thought I admire him for the fact that he plays against type and does not just. Do, I mean he did it at the beginning of his career. He was was he saber tooth in the X Men movies originally. Um, yeah, he was terrible in that. But yeah, you watch him in um, that movie about Boston uh, when they come out and do the Catholic priest story. Yeah. Um, that he was excellent in that. Yeah. He plays a publisher who comes in and he's very kind of even keeled and it was really good. Yeah. Um, the next one is Salamander. Uh, it's, I don't see it. Everyone has secrets and some are more powerful than others. That's, that's some a Belgian, Belgian this, crime drama. Yep. And this yeah. thriller could bring down a nation. Yeah. When this, 66, this, yeah. I remember Deposit this. Box it. Yeah. yeah, it was it was on good. it was on one of the minor BBC channels. Yeah, um, yeah, but it's um, uh, looks like season, Belgian one season only. Yeah, um, Luther. Now I've seen previews of Luther. Uh, it looked good. I very very nearly put Luther on my list last week. Did you? I yeah. like the actor. 
a lot. Well, as I say, that the the thing is, the thing I like about Luther, it is a, it is great. It's another one of those. I switch it for Life on Mars because it's another one of those very gritty, naturalistic police procedurals where the um, uh, the main character has a lot going on, um, you know, and he's a typical kind of you know bust up against the rules, always getting himself in trouble type of guy but the thing is is that um idris elba who plays him and this was his first kind this what kind of brought him to public consciousness is absolutely fantastic in it because he's a really really great actor yeah um and um yeah it 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 has i mean i'm not surprised john likes it because it's it's a very similar tone to a lot of these foreign stuff that he's got on here um and it's a great great show um and also has one of the great villain characters you what you will see in a TV series because there's this kind of this mad this mad female murderer that he's always up against but he kind of like admires her as well at the same time is really really good yeah yeah you know we're living in a and we have for the last 10 years a a time where television obviously has been transformed by the Netflix and the Hulu's and Amazon Primes but there are some some really really good stuff out there, um, and you know it's funny you forget how good some things are because they go you you binge watch it, yeah, thirteen episodes or six episodes, and then it's gone for a year. Um, yeah. Like for instance, Netflix alone, Orange is the New Black, one of their very first original series, mm. loved it. Um, yeah, they came out with um, I've got it on my list right here. Um, season six. I, I watched the first episode of season six, and I haven't gone back to it since because it 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 was okay. But I'm kind of done with the series at this point. I feel like that would have been a good one for three seasons and done. Yeah, and it just feels like they keep going on and on. And I just don't care. Uh, the new Lost in Space. I thought was contrived and a little ham-fisted acting. My son Cole loves it. He yeah. asked me every couple months, is, is Lost in Space back yet? <laughs> he's, he's dying for season two. Um, I thought maybe I could show him the movie or the old 60s television show, but I don't want to damage him, so I'm not yeah. going to. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, the old 60s show... I- it, it it wasn't great. It's really bad. A lot of it wasn't great. Um, much just in the same way that you know you can watch the original series Star Trek, and there's quite a lot of duff episodes in that too. Yeah. Um, some things know, don't age well. Some things don't age well, and some things are you know you you remember the high bits and you you forget the low bits. Yeah, um, it's called rose colored glasses. Yeah. So. Um, here's a season that I watched on Netflix recently called Ugly Delicious. Um, I don't usually like cooking shows. They don't do anything for me, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's something compelling about the guy. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was one of those shows that made me want to go out there and cook some different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I I was reading this morning about how, um, the great British bake off, which is a very, very popular cooking show here, um, has become a massive hit in the States. Um, I think it's in the states. It's called something slightly different because Bake Off is is um, trademarked by somebody. So I think it's just called the Great British Cook Baking Show or something like that. And apparently, this is it's hugely popular. One of the reasons is that because um, 
it, you know, it doesn't have the slightly contrived reality TV format that a lot of the yeah. American cooking shows have, you know, with the fake drama uh, and the, you know, the, the editing and also the, it doesn't have the same talking to camera bits where um, each contestant will talk about something that's about to happen and then they show what happened. You know, and they talk about it in the third person as if they, as if it's not happened yet, even though obviously it must have done, otherwise they couldn't have talked about it. Um, right. It doesn't have any of that. Um, it's literally just a group of people in a summer tent, and they've got to bake things. You know, te- technically bake things. Um, it's it's very British, but apparently a lot of people like it. Um, another series I like on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it or if it's even available where you are at. Called Glow. It's about female wrestlers in yeah. the 80s. It's available here. I haven't watched it yet, but it's something it's that one I've of those that, things. Oh, it's, it's, it's a lot better than I was expecting. I thought, I'll watch the first episode, and I ended up watching the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. And then I watched season two, and it was just as good. So um, I don't know. There's something about it that just is captivating. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's John's list. Uh, if you've got your list, send it in. We like to read it here on the show as well. Sure. David yeah. and I have been lazy lately and haven't prepared much for the show, so any filler will work. Uh, <laughs> so we we have we have some feedback from um, from Brendan, good friend Brendan, uh, and and it, I thought it was worth um, mentioning this because it's actually uh, relates to something that happened this week, just the other day actually. So Br- Brendan talked about um, he was talking about when we were talking about uh, the physio stuff and the the power of of dace protection and the and the the power of the internet giants. So he says, he, he gives a quote here from Paul Nemitz, principal advisor to the, uh, the European Commission on the extraordinary power concentration in the hands of few internet giants. Um, he's written this scientific paper effectively about it. He's, and he said, is this accumulation of power in the hands of a few, the power of money, the power over instructions for democracy and discourse, the power of individuals based on profiling and the dominance of AI, dominance in AI innovation, which must be seen together. The internet giants are a single group of corporations in history, which have managed to keep their output largely unregulated to dominate markets and be most profitable at the top of the stock exchange, commanding important influence on public opinions and politics at the same time staying largely popular with the general public. Avoiding the law or intentionally breaking it, telling harsh truths to legislators or trying to ridicule them, as we recently saw in the Cambridge Analytica hearings by Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, became a sport on both sides of the, the Atlantic. Politics, civil society, science, journalism and business traditionally try to keep a certain distance from each other. Some call it an arm's length relationship. But today the frightful five are present in all of these fields to gain knowledge and learn for their own purposes, but also, to put it in diplomatic terms, to gain sympathy and understanding for their concerns and interests. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think in, in, in much more um, scientific and studied terms says broadly what we've been saying for a while I, yep. and the reason, reason I, I was particularly struck by, by Brendan sending this in is, is the announcement the other day that Facebook have said that they're going to start integrating WhatsApp, Instagram and Facebook at the back yeah, end I saw that. which is uh, apparently the reasons why both the founders of Instagram and WhatsApp left the company in the last 12 months because of their plans to do this yep. because it goes against what they were what assurances they were given when they sold themselves to Facebook uh, and of course you know it completely violates people's privacy in a way which they won't understand is going on they won't know that, that their Instagram posts will suddenly start influencing their Facebook feeds and of course lots of people use WhatsApp for private secured messaging 
Well, that was proven this week with a. Uh, it's it's only it's end to end encrypted. Yeah, but you can if one of the people share it. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that, that's 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 always a flaw which can get people into trouble, and which most people don't realize. But the problem is, is in order to enable the integration that Facebook are talking about, they're going to have to effectively become the man in the middle. They're going to have to unencrypt it to see what's going on in those in those messages in order to get the most benefit out of it. They'll yeah. initially say they won't. They'll say, "Oh, we just want to know who you're talking to." But that in itself is a leakage of information you don't want. You don't want to know that you message. You don't want people to know maybe that you're messaging with certain people. But secondly, once that Pandora's box is open, it's only a matter of time before somebody's going to say, "You know what? We could get much more value out of this data if we actually read what people were saying." Yeah. You know. That is true. Yeah. Scary stuff. But that's why you listen to Tech Fan. We'll let you know what's going on, folks. <laughs> yeah. And complain about it incessantly. Uh, we do want to thank our sponsor, Otherworld Computing. David, I have, as you know, John talked about earlier, my super-duper iMac. You can make your Mac, your iMac, a super-duper iMac. They have uh, an iMac upgrade kit going from 2009 um, up through the, like the 27-inch uh, iMac models for 2012 and later. So these kits are pretty cool because you got to... <laughs> Have you ever watched a video of someone taking a screen off an iMac? It's that scary stuff. I've done it myself, and it was it's, scary. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. I still have. So they sell you these kits that have the right cables. It has a little spludge tool. It has the right screwdriver because they. It's not like a Phillips, um, and they have suction cups that will help you pry your screen away from the rest of the computer. Yeah, it's because most, most people don't realize those screens are actually held on with magnets. So yep. you can just pull the very strong magnets, but you can pull them off. Yep. Um, and there's and an LCD then, behind there. Yeah, that's right. And then you unscrew the LCD and remove that as well. So um, do it with clean hands. In yep. clean well, I take my glass off, put it in the dishwasher, and wash it in there. <laughs> that works. That's, to- that's totally not true, by the way, folks. Don't, <laughs> yes. don't do that. Don't. That's Actually, you know, I said to somebody, somebody on Reddit the other day, they posted a screen of their uh, new iPad 11-inch, and it had a scratch on it. And you could, you know, when, it was, when there was a white screen, you could see that line of discoloration. Yep. Uh, and they said, you know, what can I do about this? And I said, if you get some steel wool and scrub it on there, then when you finish scrubbing it with the steel wool, you won't be able to see that scratch anymore. <laughs> and then I put, please don't do that. I'm only joking. Yes. You'll only not be able to see it because it'll be hidden by all the other scratches. All the other scratches, yeah. That's like saying my ankle hurts, so you punch again in the shoulder and it goes, but your <laughs> ankle doesn't hurt as bad now. <laughs> so thanks to uh, OWC for sponsoring TechFan. Uh, I th- hope that I'll have some exciting uh, MacStock news soon. Um, I guess I could talk about MacStock for a second here, David. Sure. Um, I've been in discussions uh, with uh, Mike. Of course, he is the guy who started MacStock, and he's kind of been running it as a one-man show for a while. Now, as you know, I've been involved with MacStock since the very beginning. Um, You know, before it even went public, I had had a face-to-face meeting with, uh, with Mike, and I'm going to be helping... Uh, a little bit this coming year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not quite sure what the title of the role is going to be, um, but it's going to be an official part of MacStock. 
Uh, obviously, you know, I do tech fan, I do my Mac, uh, I, I sell Toyotas for a living and I've got another company I've launched called captive customer. So my time isn't, um, it's just per se it's at a premium. Yeah. And so I don't have, you know, 20 hours to devote to Mac stock. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, I don't think it's going to take that much time on my end to, to help out where it's needed and where it's needed is, uh, putting some of the expo back into Mac stock conference and expo hmm. and we'll see how it goes. Um, it's early stages still. Um, Mr. Potter and I need to have another discussion here real quickly, but we're looking at taking Mac stock to another level, put cool. it that way. And the long-term plans are kind of exciting. Um, I, I really do like the goal behind Mac stock. Obviously I've been to every one it's, I can drive there. Yeah. But this week, especially really kind of has been hitting home with Facebook showing me my, my memories, if you will. Yeah. And it's been a whole lot of Macworld Expo stuff. A lot of it. You've come up a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I loved going to Mac World Expo. It was um, something that, you know, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Those kind of conferences are kind of gone. Yep. Um, but I think people still want stuff like that. It just has to be financially viable to put them on. Now, at the level of a Mac stock, I don't know if that'll ever happen again. But at the level of, or I'm sorry, Mac World, I don't know yeah. if it'll happen again. But at the level of Mac stock, and maybe even five times what Mac stock is right now in size, is definitely financially viable, and I think wanted by a lot of people. So I'm excited to be uh, to be talking with uh, with Mike and and going to be helping out there. So you'll hear more about Mac stock here coming up. Uh, within the next six months until the next episode or episode um, conference happens. And yeah. uh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to do another game show. Guy and I will do another game show. Cool. Uh, it'll it's be fun. stuff. It is. Um, you posted this story about Microsoft. And yeah. I was we know that, that they've killed Windows 10 mobile. It's It was killed a couple of years ago. Well... The problem was it. It kind of was and it wasn't. It, in real terms, it was in that they they just said we're not going to be doing much work on this, um, you know. But I think there was a lot of rumours coming from Microsoft. They were working on something called Andromeda, which was meant to be like a dual screen device. I think there was a lot of hope that they would someday come back to mobile. Uh, and the reason for that is that a lot of people really like those phones even though they didn't sell particularly well a lot mm-hmm. of people like windows mobile and the problem with it was not the platform itself it's the fact that microsoft kept on messing around with what they wanted it to do and they also tied it like a little bit like in millstone it was was being tied to the windows 8 strategy um and they they were all about how the app platform for windows both on pc and 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 
mobile was going to be integrated and everything like that and it basically just dragged both platforms down but actually looking at it on its own and if you put to one side the lack of apps for windows mobile it was a really great platform it ran very well on quite good hardware the phones from particularly nokia phones were extremely well built they were pretty good value um, and it was a really really nice intuitive experience i would say far more intuitive even than um than ios yeah really yeah, it, it was, because I, I had phones, for instance, both my parents had Windows phones, and they just found them very easy to use, whereas they could never get on with it with iOS. Um, you know, they, they really, they, they just understood them, and, and they were just very, very intuitive. Part of the reason is that everything looked, no matter what you're doing on a Windows phone, everything kind of looks the same. So you don't get... Um, you don't get the strange interfaces you get with iOS where you fire up an app and all of a sudden you get the developer's own interface which doesn't necessarily follow the Apple guidelines everything on Windows Phone always kind of looked the same and for somebody who wasn't really interested in uh, doing more than just doing what they wanted to do with it rather than the bells and whistles of the platform and everything I, th- I think they found that very you know, reassuring they, they kind of knew what they were doing and it was, it was really quite intuitive so, uh, yeah, so anyway, the reason I put this story in this week is that uh, is that um, Microsoft basically did a blog post that said, you know what, um, Windows 10 Mobile is going out of support, and we recommend at this point that you switch to either iOS or Android. Yeah. <laughs> and to see Microsoft say that is kind of, because that's their strategy now, is basically to take their cloud platforms like Office 365 and everything and make those available everywhere rather than having their own platform. Well, Office 365, for instance, is now on the Mac App Store. Exactly, yeah. Um, and you can get... So you can subscribe to it via your Apple account. Yeah, you can get... If you want. If you live in Microsoft Edge, you can um, run Microsoft Edge on your iPhone or your Android phone. All the, yeah. the Skype and Teams and all those other things are available. Uh, Word and Excel and everything are all available on the standard platforms now. Uh, and this is really like, you know, them saying, we're moving on from this. Uh, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people are pretty sad because there are people who are clinging to those old phones. Uh, That's okay, what, though, because, I mean, th- th- those 12 people are probably sad, <laughs> but... Yeah. It's a, that's, the sad thing is it's, it's the loss of the innovation. You know, That's it's the, the only thing that really bothers yeah. me is that when you have an entire platform collapse like this, I think it hurts innovation in the competitors, yeah, and exactly. I and I think a, a good example is simply looking at both Android and iOS, and the stagnant number of useful, game-changing new features now uh, on, on both those platforms. Now you could say, yeah, but we're at this point now where it's evolution. It's not you know, it, it's not the next thing. It's not revolution anymore. And to a certain degree, yes, I agree with that. And I've been complaining for a long time that I think iPhones are boring. So and yeah. Androids are too. It's they. It's really, really boring to look at. And I still think hardware matters. I really do believe yeah. that. Um, otherwise, everybody would simply be driving the most boring looking car in the world. But we don't do that. Um, so when something like Windows Mobile goes away, I, I think it takes away from the entire industry significantly that most people don't realize. Uh, you need more competitors to drive a market forward. When you have a duopoly like we have with iOS and Android, I don't think that's a good thing. I really don't. No. I think it's bad. 
And the problem with innovation, it's very difficult to innovate when you also don't want to throw out the things you've done before. So what you end up is you end up layering more and more stuff on yeah, the old Yeah, it gets platform. kludgy. Uh, and, and iOS is starting to get to that point now where there's an awful lot of kludgy, non-intuitive things going on purely because, you know, they can't throw anything out. Uh, and there's only so many ways you can do things. Now, you know, Windows Mobile did something very different. Um, they had a, a different way of approaching the home screen. They had a different way of approaching how information was presented to you. In the original version, they had the kind of hub model where effectively all of your... Facebook, your Twitter, your mail, your messages and everything was in one application um, and it was surfaced there so that you always knew you could always go to one place to communicate with people. Now the market didn't like that because obviously everybody wants to have their own software platform and they don't want to share that data with other with competitors. Um, but you know it, from a consumer point of view it was interesting, it was useful you know and they as I said they were nice phones and they were something different. Their hardware was also a little bit different so um it's always sad when something like that goes away and it, yeah it's kind of ironic that microsoft who for so many years has been all about they've got to reinvent the wheel for themselves now saying go and buy a competitor's project and just run our software there so it's uh yeah now remember they they call this windows 10 mobile but you can actually go a lot farther back i just pulled up wikipedia see what i did there mm-hmm. and I just look for Windows Mobile. Windows Mobile is a discontinued family of mobile operating systems developed by Microsoft for smartphone and pocket PCs. Its origins date back to Windows CE in 1996. The Windows Mobile itself first appeared in 2000 as a pocket PC 2000. It was renamed Windows Mobile in 2003, at which point it became it came in several versions, similar to the desktop version of Windows, and was aimed at business and enterprise consumers. It became one of the most popular mobile operating systems in the mid-2000s, but its popularity faded rapidly in the following years. I wonder why. Um, And by February 2010, facing competitions from rival OSs, including Apple's iOS and Android, Microsoft announced Windows Phone to supersede uh, Windows Mobile. As a result, Windows Mobile has been depreciated. So, so this is the weird thing. Windows Mobile effectively was was the old version used to get running on uh, kind of Dell PDAs and things like yep. that. It actually, had a start menu and everything. I think anybody who was around that time would recognise it. Then Windows you Phone. You had one of those. I remember you brought it to a Macworld Expo one year. I did, yeah. And then Windows Phone came along, and Windows Phone was the one with the tiles. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the problem with Windows Phone, it was incompatible with everything that came before. Um, and uh, this was the one that had this hub model and looked very fresh and new and that sort of thing. And you're right, I did have one for a time. Uh, then they had Windows Phone 8 and Windows Phone 8.1, which were kind of com- semi-compatible, but the applications weren't. And then they did Windows 10 Mobile, which was completely incompatible with the previous one in terms of applications. Uh, and this is the one, Windows. so they went through Windows Phone and then they changed it back to Windows Mobile and Windows 10 Mobile which is the most recent one, is the one that I'm not, they're now saying go to iOS or Android. Um, so it, it's the fact that they've tried... There's basically eight or nine different operating systems on these lists. Uh, and Microsoft has tried over and over again to make this a success and has not done. Uh, and it is sad that the innovation that came along with that is gone. It's completely gone, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm, and I'm looking... I'm scrolling down here. 
And remember, this stuff was at the time where the dumb smartphones, if you will, um, where you could take a picture, but it was the worst picture in the world. The little flip phones, yeah. the razors, the operating systems were pretty much non-existent. They were phones. That's that's all they really did. Windows really was with Windows Mobile trying to get to where iOS and Android are now. Yeah, they just. Uh, what do you What do you think the problem was with with Windows Mobile? Do you think they were just stagnant? Do you think they were too far ahead of their time, where it was really the hardware couldn't do everything that the operating system really needed it to do? I think I think they still had that. Uh, certainly with the Windows mobile phones. So these these are ones that basically needed a stylus. Yes. Yeah, that we're talking about the uh, you know up to Windows Mobile six point five. Um, the they were successful in businesses because they integrated with Exchange, and at the time that was the only way to get Exchange onto onto a mobile phone. Um, but I think the problem was again right going back from uh, probably from Pocket PC onwards, they were just iterating on the same platform, and so they weren't ever able to make the jumps that um, Apple did until Apple came along and actually showed them how it was done by. Um, by producing, you know, the the iPhone. So the iPhone came out what in 2007. Uh, the last release of Windows Mobile before they switched to Windows Phone was um, 6.5 in 2010. Um, so that, you know, basically when the iPhone came along, that was the writing on the wall because it touching a screen with a stylus uh, and with those resistive touch screens and the little tiny text and all of that sort of thing, it did look so archaic compared to the iPhone. And it didn't have that smooth user interface. Um, basically, this is... this Windows Mobile was designed to complete with, with the Palm with the Palm operating system. They were very much of a, of a, of a similar take. Now, yeah, Windows, it was more of taking parts of your computer with you. Yeah, that's rather right. Rather than this is the product. The computer. Now, Windows yes. Phone... Which came afterwards. The the first Windows Phone Seven was was different. Windows that was that was there. That was Microsoft's attempt attempt to do the iPhone, but in a Windows way. Um, and you know the hardware was much more comparable to the iPhone. And um, as I said, they had this quite innovative um, interface where instead of having a home screen with uh, just app icons on, the app icons were live. They were these live tiles. You could resize them if you wanted them to be bigger, and they actually surface information actually there on the home screen. Um, yep. You know, which was which was completely innovative. And as I said, they had this very different app model where effectively everything kind of looked the same. Um, uh, and it was, but it, uh, the the mistake they made was they aimed these these new phones at consumers and initially they wouldn't even integrate with exchange so they'd taken their prime competitive advantage and threw it out with windows phone 7 you know they produced these really nice devices but they want to keep this artificial divide between business and consumer and and they completely failed the failed to see that the reason iOS and Android was, were doing so well was because people were taking those consumer phones and bringing them into the businesses and demanding to connect them to the business systems. And Microsoft didn't get that. And um, so the thing was kind of doomed from the start. And they kept on trying to tweak it. And then, as I say, they kept on linking the development models to what was going on on, on main Windows. Um, and basically, the whole thing was just completely bogged down. So it, it was never going to take off. And that all the time you went into a store selling Windows phones, the guys in there were much more interested in selling you an Android or Apple phone than, the, than a Windows phone. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 
you look at the screenshots and it's it really is the 2000s windows yeah you know it has that flavor and taste to it and it looks so dated now but um, but you look at the windows phone ones the ones with the tiles and that looks yeah. really modern it oh, still absolutely. looks modern today Yep. You know, uh, and you know what? You could probably see one of these phones today, and uh, you probably wouldn't think there was anything out of the ordinary unless you tried to call an Uber on it or something and found you couldn't. Um, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no third party support. Issue. No third party support, and, yep. and that's what you need for these things. Uh, it's so, it's essential. Know. It has yeah. to be there, and if it's not, your your platform simply isn't going to work. But you know, look, there's a real. There's a real nostalgia move nowadays to buy older type devices as simpler devices for people. Um, and uh, you see, you know, Nokia has been reselling the old candy bar phones and that sort of thing. I'm telling you, if you are interested in giving, particularly say a child, a, a smartphone so they can maybe message and read email, but you don't want them playing Fortnite on it and that sort of thing, you could do yep. worse than picking up one of these old Windows phones or even an old BlackBerry phone or something like that. Something that is limited because of the fact that the platform's going away, but it will still do all that basic stuff for them. You know, absolutely and, well. Yeah, and and you can get it for a song. So, speaking of a song, I can hear our closing music starting up. So we're gonna wrap up. <laughs> smooth. I'm smooth. We're gonna wrap. I'm smooth. Uh, we're gonna wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We encourage you guys to send us some feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You could go to mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com and leave um, comments, and we'll read it here on the show. And of course. We are on the Twitter and the Facebook, uh, where we promise not to share your personal data. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'll see you uh, a little earlier next week. We won't be recording on Sunday. We're going to hit Friday up, and I'll see you then, David. See you then.